Hello, everybody out there. I hope everybody's having a great night. Um, uh, welcome to uh, probably one of our first podcasts, if not the first one. I'm sure the, our groupings will be able to tell us, but welcome to our wrestling podcast, which is called The Rub. Uh, my name is Matt Kordamash. Um, basically, I'm going to be the host of this podcast for now. We might switch in and out uh, as we decide to go, but fuck everybody. It's our first one, right? But um everybody else that we got on there we got two other very qualified wrestling experts that are out there so first one is uh josh josh tell us a little about yourself and uh your wrestling expertise that you have uh from from what you've watched and stuff in the past hey my name's josh aka plant daddy um i've uh been in and out of wrestling for the last 20 years uh pretty much got into watching wrestling because you guys watch wrestling and it was interesting and uh kept us close and uh you know just got back into it recently and uh it's uh it's really interesting and really uh looking forward to seeing what happens in the next couple weeks especially with wrestlemania yeah you know wrestlemania coming up next week that's a great point and uh our other podcast member that we have uh pretty much the uh the heart and soul the um razor sharpness that we'd like to say of this podcast uh chris chris introduce yourself tell us about what your wrestling experience uh, is and how it how it works in this day and age? Well, it all started renting, uh, going to Bianco Video in Sudbury and renting Royal Rumble videos and renting uh, Survivor Series. Those are my favorite. As a kid, I would watch those, and it was so neat back then because you'd have like the million dollar team and the axes of power, and so all that stuff was really cool. I wish they'd bring that back. Um, I'm still the standing uh, world heavyweight champion of SWA, <laughs> uh, which I won, I believe, in 19, possibly 1998, and then uh, and then we stopped uh, we stopped working. So basically, I'm still the champion. So if anybody wants some, they can come get some. Uh, <laughs> I was big into the attitude era, attitude area rest, attitude era wrestling. Um, <clears throat> that <clears throat> that was probably the deepest I got into wrestling. Um, and then I kind of got out of it during the ruthless aggression era, and then I got kind of back into it now a few years ago, mainly with WWE. And then when AEW picked up, I I got even more into it. Now I follow NJPW, and uh, I guess being the elite had had something to do with that. I watched that. I just caught it randomly, and then uh, I started following the Indies and the Bucks. So I guess that's uh, that's how we got to where we are today. Yeah, I think we, I think a lot of us have uh, generally the same story. I think a lot of us, when we're in, like, we all went to high school together so that everybody knows, um, up in Sudbury and basically. We were all in SWA together. Yeah, we were all in backyard wrestling just because we loved it so much. But the Attitude Era, I think, is really what I, what really kicked it off for us. And we'd always kind of watch Monday Night Raw. And even sometimes back then, there wasn't even, uh, at the time, I think it was, what was it, Thursday Night SmackDown? And we never even had that in some cases. We just had Raw and, you know, we watched WCW. And I just remember I would uh, tape it on my dad's VCR and, uh, you know, because it would show at 9 o'clock. And then, uh, you know, you get the replays at 12 and then... I think uh, after that, once I kind of got into university and uh, even in the, in the end part of high school, I was really interested in the indies, who was up and coming and who was really uh, kind of kicking in. So I remember reading articles um, in some SoCal, you know, promotions where they were talking about Christopher Daniels and uh, guys like that have been in documentaries like Chris will remember a name like uh, Mike Modest and, you know, um, 
I can't remember the other guy's name, but his name was Donovan. And, uh, you know, like there was a whole bunch of guys that were in that SoCal scene that you could find all the results and everything. And it was all great. And, but I think now we're kind of moving more into like with AEW, you'd have to agree. Like it was kind of a couple years off there where there was just WWE and, you know, now moving into with AEW, um, having a good, uh, decent product in WWE. And, and now seeing what's going on in the Far East and NJPW is, uh, probably where we're really going with this. So that's where we're going to kind of go with this podcast. I think that's where it is. I mean, we're not really having any massive, you know, what's the word? It's it's just going to kind of be like a, a shoot talking about everything. And um, we're just going to try and have a format and just try to get better. It's a work in progress. It's a labor of love. And that's what this is, right? So, gentlemen, this will be our very first topic ever that we're going to talk about. So um, we'll start with Chris. Chris, why don't you tell us who you think your wrestler of the week is? And why? Uh, I have to. Yeah, I have to. I have to admit that uh, leading up to this was I, I kind of it was poor preparation. I didn't watch as much as I probably wanted to. Um, but uh, for me, going into it, I guess watching, um, I watched all of Dynamite. So I guess I would have to say my wrestler of the week would be Kenny Omega. Um, we showed him being able to go back out on his own. Uh, it seems like uh, Hangman Page getting back in with the Elite. Basically, what he's gonna do is is take Kenny, like give Kenny that spot. They're just swapping Kenny for Hangman. Okay, so basically, Kenny's we're we're witnessing the start of Kenny's Kenny's new new singles run, and I think uh, with that match he had as well, it was just uh, it was it was a great match. So I think I would have to say Kenny Omega. Just uh, it's looking like we're building towards bigger things on his singles run, and that's uh, watching Kenny. That's that's my favorite Kenny to watch. That's great, Josh. What about yourself? Um, so I would have to say that, uh, Kenny Omega's opponent, El Hijo del Vikingo, uh, <laughs> if that's how you say it, I, I'd never seen him wrestle before. And I would say that a lot of people had never seen him wrestle before. So for this match, he had done, he did sit things that I have never seen in the ring done before so much so that I made Tamara, my wife, uh, come and sit and watch it because I thought I was witnessing something that, you know, was not historic, but something that like you most uh, mainstream fans wouldn't wouldn't have ever seen anybody perform moves similar to that. Um, when he did his uh, like front flip into a Hurricane Rana off the top rope, just just stellar, just stellar stuff. It was an introduction, not an introduction, but uh, it was something that I believe the fans haven't seen uh, mainstream similar like like that in a long time. Obviously, there's a lot of high flyers in AEW, but uh, he did something differently that I've never seen before. Yeah, you know, uh, I think I'm going to go a little bit different direction, and I think uh, just for flavor, and I think uh, I'd have to agree, I think that would probably be one of my top performances, and um, for those that used to watch old school WCW when they had the Lucha Libre movement, like, he definitely seemed like um, just a much better Juventud Guerrera. Like, just, like, pulling out stuff that you'd never, ever see. I thought Kenny Omega died three times in the ring when I was watching it, which was, like, with the Poison <laughs> Rana was one. And then um, I think one of the table spots with the 620 was just, or the 630 splash was just insane. But uh, Vikingo actually uh, was actually making the rounds the week before because I guess he's on a North American tour, and uh, he was on the GCW pay-per-view as well for those that uh, have never heard of Game Changer Wrestling. But he was actually in there and uh, performed those same moves and... Uh, I, you know what, like, 
here's to this guy. Like, I, I just say I, I have a V8 in hand. I'm just going to say cheers to that guy having the longest career ever because from, like, an actual wrestling perspective, that was something fresh and absolutely innovative that uh, was uh, was an absolute treat to watch. And uh, my uh, my partner's from Mexico. And, uh, yeah, Josh, it's okay. She, she If she was on here, she would she would have said that you would have butchered the name, but it's okay. How do you, how I, I would have done it? it the same. <laughs> uh, I believe it's El, El, El Hijo de Del Vikingo. And so, I don't know. We'll just get her to say it one time when she's alive. <laughs> she's not a big wrestling fan, but if we need Spanish translation, we'll be fine. We can get her. Um, but uh, I think for Wrestler of the Week, I think we're going to kind of lean a little more to the WWE and go with um, probably with Kevin Owens. I want to say that the Kevin Owens going in with Sammy um, really seems to be the intriguing storyline of the bloodline. Um, even... To the point for me, and this is just my personal opinion, where it's almost even taking away from Roman and Cody <coughs> as the main event. I think that that has the ability with with Zayn and, and Owens and their their strong chemistry as tag team wrestlers uh, in with the Usos. That is going to be such an incredible match that I almost wish it was in a steel cage or had something crazy, but it it doesn't even need that. I just think we're going to see something, uh, a great piece of storytelling when that comes out. And I think the uh, him being the wrestler of the week for me was really kind of stand out. He's the key element that's missing from uh, that, uh, that storyline. That's really going to kind of uh, bring in that brawling atmosphere. That's going to have a, a great match for them at WrestleMania, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. So away from our, I, yeah, I think sure, it's the, right? I think it's I mean, the most um, steel cage would be it's it's the cool. most interesting story going into WrestleMania that's for sure because Roman and Cody like not to say who cares but the build up to Roman and Cody was is too short because Cody was out for so long and then just coming back to win the Rumble like I don't know seems like it's a discount yeah for sure and uh you know i think we're gonna i think wrestlemania is gonna be awesome i mean it's it's awesome every time we see it i mean you'll have some purists that'll say oh it wasn't good i I don't really care it's two full nights of wrestling and uh you know what everybody kind of steps up on that night it's the biggest the biggest spectacle of the year and it's gonna be amazing to watch so uh moving away from uh the wrestler of the week what we're gonna kind of go through what what do people think the match of the week was so, Chris, let's start with you. Match of the week. What do you have? What do you think was the best match on TV this week? Oh, I think it's. Uh, I think we're pretty obviously going to go with Kenny versus Vikingo. Um, just like like Josh said, there are things you haven't seen in there before. Um, that that poison Rana. I thought the same thing as you did, Matt. <laughs> I thought he was. Uh, I thought that was game over for for Kenny's neck. Like it. Uh, I don't know. This guy just. Did and it, it's hard. Like it's hard to it's hard to I've become so desensitized now. It's hard to give me a a move or something that I haven't seen before. So having him come and do some of that stuff is just uh, you know it's after you've seen everything the same for so long. All of a sudden you see some fresh moves. It's uh, now now I'll probably go check out where his home promotion is, which is good because I wasn't. I don't know. I don't watch it, so now I will. So. Again, match of the week, especially because it turns gonna possibly turn me on to another organization. So if you got uh, if you got your pen there, he's actually the uh, he's uh, the I believe he's the champion in Triple uh, so, A, or Triple A, however you want to say. So that's probably the one that you do want to watch. And uh, if you've never watched Triple A before and you've never ever seen anything, uh, whenever Triple uh, A does their uh, kind of their main uh, their main kind of their WrestleMania, which is like Triple Mania, they call it. Um, it's actually on Twitch. 
for some of it. So you can actually watch that for free on Twitch (laughs) from the, from the United States, which is kind of neat. I I remember watching it last year because Kenny Omega actually fought, I think he actually fought uh, Vikingo again, but I could be wrong on that, but there's a lot of great talent in that organization too. When you see, and uh, there's a lot of like big names, like guys that you want to see, like psycho clown, like just amazing, amazing kind of mil mascaras these legendary wrestlers that are over there too so it, it doesn't hurt to watch it check it out chris at, at all um josh i'm assuming that you're gonna say the same thing but uh other than that what did it mean for you other than bringing in tamara to come uh, watch? yeah i mean it, clearly the match of the week um i think that it's it's interesting because i i like what AEW has done with you know, bringing in the uh you know the japanese as well as the mexican wrestlers and although you do see some lucha libre in uh, WWE, you never see it to that level, and I think that WWE uh, doesn't really cater to those type of wrestlers as much. Um, think you know, WCW was kind of like the stomping ground for lucha wrestling, uh, you know, back in the day uh, in North America, at least. At least that's what I, I've seen. Uh, they they definitely had a good uh, mix of that, and I I enjoy watching um, watching it in AEW. Um, I'd say that, like, if you were to say, like, the other match of the week, it wouldn't be for the match, but for what happened after the match is when the uh, FTR came out um, after the Gun Club won, which was a terrible match, in my opinion. But uh, the ending and uh, the the drama that it's creating, it's it's creating another storyline that's actually quite interesting. Um, hopefully, it's all, hopefully, it, it seems like everything they do is a work, though, so I don't know. AEW, that is. It'll be interesting. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna bring that up. We're gonna bring that up too. So that's something that uh, you'll save. I'll, I'll put you on first for that when you go through. But that's, uh, yeah, you hit it right on, right on the, right on the spot. I, I think I, I'm right with you guys. I think going with that match, my favorite part was how it was basically just balls to the wall for 25 minutes or 20 minutes. And my favorite part is when you watch the camera kind of zoom out at one point. At the very, very beginning, when Kenny's walking up to the ring, you can actually see Vikingo starting to run all the way to the far ropes. And then they had to switch the camera in super quick because he flew over the top rope. But literally, you had this crazy-ass top-down view of him going to do it. And then him just doing, like, a, I, I don't even know, I want to say it was a somersault plancha <laughs> over the top. and uh, But it was just so different from seeing it from, like, where the top of the stands would have been because that's where the original camera was. They didn't... That was one kind of a, a camera mistake that they made that was kind of beneficial when they went through. But, you know, all, like the whole storytelling, even to the match, if you go back, like they fought before um, and they fought for the title when Kenny was on his belt collector run. And uh, yeah, I think he was the closest guy to taking one of the titles away at one time. And again, that was I think that was at uh, that was that triple mania. But I think at the end when you're going through, it's just they, they're they're so connected in the ring. Kenny, Kenny Omega has this unbelievable kind of connection with people when he wrestles them. Like you can even go back to the old matches with uh, his golden lovers partner. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Cause we haven't seen him in forever either. Ganyo. Oh yeah. I have it at the top of my head. I was just talking about, I was just talking about this in the golden lovers. Um, Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi. So with, yeah. yeah with Kota Ibushi. And you know what? Like just kind of creates these, these magical like connections with people that just kind of creates like these emotional, that doesn't even have to be a story there. It just kind of creates this emotional connection that you're watching. Like, it's almost like it's like this, like just kind of takes over as an art form or as this kind of like, 
hey man, this is my passion of my life. This is my life's work. And we're watching it <laughs> live and unfold on TV kind of. So I thought it was kind of cool at the end, how they kind of brought in uh, the whole situation with uh, the, the BCC as well. Uh, try and set up that storyline. I agree. I think setting up uh, whatever they're going to do with uh, Omega and Paige is going to be pretty interesting moving forward, especially when it comes to the elite. And obviously everybody was in ambulances all through that show. So, um, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think we can all agree that that was probably the match of the week which is uh which is awesome so um that's good to hear um so we're gonna kind of move away from some general topics we'll kind of move into some of the standalone topics and uh what we'll do is um we'll, we're, let's just start with the ftr and what we're uh this podcast our wonderful podcast the rub is um actually finger checking and calling the decision and that's really what we're doing what for those that don't know, FTR seems to be kind of calling their shot on where they're going to go, what they're going to be doing. They're not sure one minute. They're sure the next. We don't really know where they're going or what the plan is. Um, so this is part of a, a two-part question. One is, wh- what do you think the prediction is? And two, um, after your prediction, what do you think the benefit would be to go somewhere else other than what you pick? So, for instance, if you say they staying in AEW, what would be the big benefit for them going somewhere else? And where do you think that they would flourish if they went? So, Chris, where do you think FTR is going to end up? I think they're going to end up in WWE. Do you? Is that what I want? Not, not necessarily. I, I. Are they setting up a work with their? You know, if they lose to the guns. They're gonna, they're gonna leave the AEW. Um, is it gonna? Is it that obvious? Like, are, is it gonna be that obvious that they, they? no pun intended but give give the rub to the guns and then just head back to wwe i don't know because everything could be a work um i'd like them i think their happiest time was when they were they were out collecting their belts as well uh they got to go to the indies show up show up against the briscoes they got to do that stuff they're not going to be able to do that in the wwe but Again, WWE is is where the money is. They're they're gonna be happy and their families are gonna be happy. But I don't know. I'd like I like to see them stay in AEW and have you know have a similar run where I can see them in other promotions wrestling other top tier talent that I haven't seen before. Awesome, Josh. What are your thoughts? I'm similar to Chris. I think that like I think it's all a work. I think everything that to- I think that a lot of it's you know even down to MJF the you know the, with the countdown. It, it all just seems like everything that they're doing is is a work to a bigger story. I don't know why uh, you know Tony would would want to start announcing that his major players are leaving so easily and readily without kind of a plan. Like it sounds like okay, it's inevitable MJF's going to go to WWE. It's inevitable uh, FTR is going to go to WWE because that's where the money is. I don't think that necessarily that that's going to happen. I think that. Uh, at least one of them is a, is part of the story. I, I just don't know why you would have so many of these storylines where you would be, you know, actively talking about your some of your best wrestlers leaving. Um, not to say that, you know, it's, it's not worth putting, you know, FTR against the gun club as like a retirement match. But really, if you're going to have FTR retire, why is it against, or not retire, leave AEW against the guns? I'm not really, you know, buying it. It's It seems like it's... It's it's not a it's not it's not a match that I want to see them leave AEW over. Like if they're gonna leave, give me a give me a good story. Like not not your short term. We're gonna fight the guns, and then if they lose, 
it's it's really anticlimactic. They're going to end up on Raw the next day or SmackDown, you know, whenever it is. And who are they going to? They're going to fight the Usos or they're going to fight? I don't know. It's I I, I think it's a work, but it it, it could be. I, I'm hoping it's a work. I, I'm just kind of annoyed if it is a work because it seems like they're doing this work uh, on multiple fronts. Yeah, it seems like there's uh the, like there's this kind of the tough go. Like I can definitely I agree with the, you in the sense where we're kind of talking about if you're gonna make them have some big money matches, why don't you put them against the Bucks or why don't you put them against the Acclaim? Like it seems to me like even though that the Acclaimed um I believe like has beaten FTR, I would love to see something with the Acclaimed and FTR going off. And I mean, you know what? It's just a, it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame what happened with the Briscoes because I think we still could have seen some of the best matches, some of the best tag matches we ever would have saw. Um, you know, do unfortunately due to the circumstance of um of uh of uh jay's death right jay so, Briscoe, yeah. so it's one of those things where you're kind of going through where it's like well what do you have on the other side so on the other side everybody's kind of saying like the first thing everybody says is the usos but we had a chat today where we we're kind of talking about maybe getting some different tag teams in there like who who other than the usos themselves who do you think would be a great tag team if they were to jump ship and go to the other side who do you match them up with? Because they've been there. <laughs> well, I mean, they like there's the bu- the Bucks contracts up as well, right? Like that's the other thing is that like the Bucks and Kenny's contract they're going to be up. Is that something that like they're you know trying to get the most out of them right now? I don't know. Who knows? Who else would go? Yeah, but th- their dream. Their dream is a little bit different. I, I don't know if the WWE titles or getting to the WWE is like Kenny was already in NXT, and I don't know if the Bucks would even they they lose a lot of what they do if, oh, if they went there. And that's they say they do they say they say they do what they do because they love the way they can do it. So I I don't know. I just and we could see the other Briscoe with a mystery partner or paired with somebody else and kind of rebuild that rivalry. And that would kind of be epic, right? Yeah. I think using the, using the ROH is kind of not like as a feeder, but kind of as a little bit of a minor league promotion. And I use that with all due respect to anybody that's in ROH right now. Like we've been to ROH events. Those are not minor league shows by any mean. It's just the only reason we say that is because you're, you're trying to compare a company that's been purchased by another company that's being run on a separate night, doesn't have a televised deal, um, can be seen on the, the fan club, which is through Honor Club. You can watch all of those matches through there, but just doesn't have a TV deal. It's kind of like, you know, darker elevation in a way. But um, there's a lot of young kids that are coming up in that promotion too that are really good. Like I, I really love to see Matt Taven and uh, Mike Bennett get an actual run out and actually as a tag team um, with uh, with Maria. And I think that would be unbelievable because they were they've been great in ROH for ten years and they've been they've been main eventing all the way through. And then they try to go somewhere else to kind of get stymied. And then I mean that's Bennett. I mean Taven's Taven's basically only ever been in Ring of Honor. And I mean when uh, Josh when we were at Rampage when we actually saw them in Toronto, I was actually shocked to see the Kingdom come out. Um, yeah, and it was it was amazing to see, but I, I found that they've been really underutilized for what's going on. I mean, the FTR can have a ton of really good matches with some of these teams, but they just don't seem to get paired against them. But even so, like pair them against if, if like my my final take on it is if they're leaving, they're going somewhere else. Get get their value out of them. Make them fight the Bucks. 
make them fight, you know, Ray Phoenix and, you know, Penta, El Zero Miedo and whatever, and have like a three-way dance and some crazy ass cage match, watch everybody kill themselves and then bring the value up for the belts and have those value being where it is. Cause right now, my opinion is I like the guns, but they're really raw. And I think with the guns being so raw, like they're, they have a lot of enthusiasm, but it's uh, at this point, nobody believes them as the tag team champions. And it's kind of devaluing the belts. That's the way I see it. I don't mind the way that they won the belts and the way like that they're on them, at least if they're creating a storyline. But like it seems like the clear story is with the acclaimed, right? Versus I don't understand this FTR piece, but yeah, no, the story went a little too long with the guns and the acclaimed, and with with you know with Billy and you know, and I think it just went a, it just went a smidge too long, and. Uh, you know, I think at the end of it, it kind of it kind of hurt them, and not to their own fault. I think like they step in there. I th- I think their their in ring work is pretty good. Um, they're not on the level as those those S tier teams that we've just kind of labeled. But you got to start somewhere, and I think the only way that you give them any sort of notoriety is by letting them have a, at least a title run. But it's scary to think of FTR leaving. It's scary of thinking of uh, Omega and the Bucks leaving at some point. But um, I guess uh, time's gonna tell. But uh, I'm kind of with you guys. I hope it's a big work, right? <laughs> So we'll move on away from uh, basically from that, from FTR. Let's talk about some work rate of a couple wrestlers. Let's talk about what you guys think of uh, the rise of Orange Cassidy and what future plans would you use for him outside of the Atlantic title? I mean, um, Orange Cassidy, the knock is obviously I don't want to use the WWE fan knock, but smaller guy. Great in work. In ring work's got a great attitude. Well liked in the back room. Um He's on a massive winning streak. I want to say it's like 14 or 15 matches he's won in a row. Um, where do you see him going next and uh, for him to be potentially one of the pillars of AEW moving forward? Uh, Josh, let's start with you. <laughs> well, I just want to correct you. It's no longer the Atlantic Championships, the International Championships. International, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, I think it's a great it's a great title to put on a super huge baby face. Like He gets such a huge pop, it's hard to not have uh, a belt like that on him for a period of time, just because he's going to get that reaction and you want him to go over. Um, it's a, I think that uh, he, he, it's like he, he basically, you know, gets beat up against these bigger wrestlers for a long period of time and finds a way to win. Um, but he, he puts on a really good story and uh, it's, you don't see too many wrestlers get, the fans being so involved in their like persona and then like even like when he does those like the, the little kicks and you see you know that sting was copying him uh the other day and uh it seems like you know like a lot of the young 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 male wrestler wrestling fans they really like get into orange cassidy because it seems like he's uh he's just uh you know this really uh, doesn't give a shit and people like i don't know people really enjoy it i think that like the best what he should what should happen to him is he should he should turn monster heel like just fuck the fans and like just turn heel eventually and he kind you can kind of see him he has like an, an in between every once in a while when he's uh with you know like the best friends he kind of does things that are uh, you know, a heel would do sometimes and act suspiciously. So I think you could you could for sure turn him heel eventually and uh, 
that would be really interesting. I think that, you know, being a, a super baby face forever is not as fun as turning heel eventually. Yeah, no, I think it's a lot easier too. to, uh, to it's, uh, my, my dad always used to say he goes, it's easier to be a prick than to be a nice guy. Right. And I think it's harder to be over as a baby face than to, um, you know, have this, uh, heelish run, but he's just so good. Uh, like I remember the Halloween episode where I think you were looking in the stands and you probably looked at about 50 people that went as Orange Cassidy and like every different age group you can possibly think of from this. I think there was this, uh, this kid that was three years old that was dressed as him to this 50 year old man that decided, okay, I'm going to be Orange Cassidy for a day. <laughs> I mean, so, um, but yeah, his work rate's great. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, been using the same gimmick from the indies for a long time, which has been good. And a lot of people were trying to get him over um, right off the bat when AEW started. And, uh, you know, just because he, he was just such a big draw in the indies when people were out there. So, um, Chris, what are your thoughts on Orange Cassidy? Uh, yeah, I think <coughs> I think I think I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the gimmick. I I really like it. Um, I think. One of I think having him being away for a little while each time has been pretty pretty good for him. Um, like I, I can watch Orange Orange Cassidy, but kind of month after month, it's unless they do something like change his entrance music, have him come back. I feel like I kind of get tired of him. Like I, you know, I okay, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. It's the same thing over and over. Um, are they? Do I see him? Do I see him holding a heavyweight championship? I don't think so. I just, uh, I, similar to Josh, I think they use him really well for, for what he does. He gets a lot of, he's over. Um, everybody, everybody likes it. I'd love to see a heel turn. It would, it would be crazy. It'd let, let kids down and, and everybody would be in shock. I think, I think Fuck having the kids. him Fuck kind them. of. Yeah, having him kind of just <laughs> flip that switch, like I don't, maybe not Hogan esque, but I mean, it would be pretty good. It, it'd be the biggest heel turn they could have. He's been, he's been their their babyface guy the whole time. Like you, you can always count on wholesome, wholesome uh, Orange Cassidy. He'll put on a great match, and he's just gonna be be Orange Cassidy the whole time. Yeah, and I think it's it's been interesting to see what they've been doing with Jack Perry and then kind of trying to get him out of that just pure baby face and trying to kind of get him into and show some edge to what's going on. And you know what? I think Orange Cassidy's edge comes within his persona a little bit, but um, I don't necessarily know if you could turn him heel right off the bat. I think when you're looking at a lot of the scenarios for him, it's like I agree with you, Chris, is that I don't know if I see him as a, as a world title guy. I don't know if I see him as the face of the company guy. Um, when you're looking at that. And I think when you're going through, it's like, do you need to separate them from the best friends? Do you need them to have somebody else that he can kind of team up with that, that'll, that'll kind of work. I, I'm not saying put him in another stable, put him in something else, but you know, where, where does he go after this? I think that's kind of a million dollar question because he's one of the top draws. And when you're going through, even on pay-per-views, when he, when you look at his work rate, you're going to, you know that you're going to get a good match out of Orange Cassidy. And I think even looking at Forbidden Door and, uh, from Forbidden Door one, and I can't remember who he fought, but I remember that he had one of the best matches of the night from the original Forbidden Door. So if somebody wants Will to, Will Osprey, it was, was it Will, Will Osprey? Yeah. Like, oh, and, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And that was one, like, obviously, like, okay, now that we said Will Osprey, which. <laughs> You know, which is, he's probably, he's many cases, 80% of the time, he's probably going to be the best match on the card. Uh, but that match was, that match was unbelievable. And, uh, be really interesting to see who they pin him against that, uh, at the next Forbidden Door when that happens in June. I mean, there's still a lot of wrestling to be had before that, but, um, it'd be really interesting to see what they do with him because, um, 
I don't think he'll get Osprey again, but be nice to see him go up against some Japanese talent and see what happens after. So with Orange Cassidy, we kind of had a, a run in, you know, Orange Cassidy's been kind of going through this uh, with, uh, as Josh stated, the international title. Um, and we've been kind of seeing like a resurgence in the career of J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T, which is something with that I don't think we ever really thought possible. I think, you know, we kind of look at wrestling and anything can be possible, but I, I had no expectation that Jeff Jarrett was going to be coming into AEW at all. And um, I think he's been working leaps and bounds for the company and uh, the ability to get uh, his whole faction basically over has been unbelievable. And, you know, he, he keeps talking the world about Satnam Singh and, um, you know, he's working with, why can't I think of his name right now? It was just because I'm tired with Jay Lethal. Um, Chris, I know we've been talking about Jeff Jarrett. What, what are your thoughts? Like he looks fantastic for like 400 years old. Oh, it's 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 been one of my favorite parts of AEW is watching watching Jeff Jarrett. I've watched Jeff Jarrett for so many years, like even before before I became a fan when I just rented the videos, you'd see him in his like stringy suit back then. Um just just seeing everything he's doing now, he sells perfectly. Like he's not selfish, doesn't no sell people. He, just the small things like getting up and begging the guy not to hit you. Like we don't see much of that anymore. Um, pulling the ref when he has to, pretending to hit Aubrey, <laughs> pretending to hit the ref all the time. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's not something I saw coming. I, I thought he's too old, and then he he shows up and like guy looks great. He looks phenomenal. <laughs> of course, he can still wrestle. And to be honest, uh, what I want to do is is watch his TNA runs. I wonder, I wonder if we, I'm, I've actually missed out on quite a bit by not watching his TNA runs thinking it was garbage. And he was just taking over the promotion. Not that he didn't just take over the promotion, but maybe, maybe it was pretty good. You know what, actually going back to that. And then Josh, I don't know if you watched any of the, uh, the old TNA with Jeff Jarrett that was in it. I know that you probably, I think you've watched a little bit. Um, but, um, I, I, I would stand up and say, other than, you know, you look at, you know, AJ Styles when he was, you know, part of Impact, I would say, and even Kurt Angle, um, you know, taking out Sting, Hogan, all those guys. I think Jeff Jarrett was the most crucial guy in that entire company to make anything happen. And I think I remember one of his title runs lasted pretty much close to a year. And he was always doing, I think he lost it in a King of the Mountain match, but that whole run in, if you go back and watch it, Chris, and even you, Josh, if you go back and watch that, it's phenomenal stuff like it really is it's kind of that old slap nuts carry the guitar around you know character and just kind of shirt off smashing people in the head with the guitars but it was just it was just great like i mean it was it was kind of like his wcw character but the storylines made sense because he was always in the ring with somebody better than he was and even though sometimes they might not have been over he made them look good all the time he always made him look like the second rate heel champion that he should be you know (laughs) but he was he was the heart and soul of that company in my opinion so um so Josh, Jeff Jarrett, I don't know how much that you watched beforehand. I, I know that he was a, probably a little bit of a pre-attitude guy, but um, have you been entertained? Yeah, have you been entertained with him? Yeah, I know Jeff. Yeah, I like I like I like that he's back. It's I think he's I can't believe how great of shape he's in. He's in the same shape that he was when he when he left WWE when I watched back then, and I think that you know he's I would say like would would he be you know top 
top three guys who you know weren't in WWE and maintained their career for that extended period of time. If not, you know, number one, him and Sting were outside of that that promotion for a long period of time and kept going. And you know, it's, it seems like I bet you they mentored a lot of young wrestlers who came up and you know got their their licks in i think that uh it's definitely interesting to see him work with the group that he's working with uh you know jay lethal's uh you know experienced and been around but you know like not as he he's has i don't know a lot about jay lethal jay lethal's history did he make main roster in wwe at all or no he never did uh he was he was a big player he was probably a semi-big player in impact he had a really good run against rick flair where he basically okay. kind of stole Ric Flair's moveset. And one of the funniest things that you'll ever see, highly recommend you watch this tonight, Josh, if you get a chance. But if in, And to anybody that's listening, um, really watch the woo-off with <laughs> Jay Lethal and Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. They basically have okay. a woo-off that goes for like five minutes, and it's just it's on TV, and it's just hilarious. But that's kind of where he was at. He was kind of a, he was an ROH guy. He was the main player in ROH, got a, t- a TNA contract. Um, I don't know if he held the world title in, in Impact. I don't think he did he might have i'm not 100 percent sure but he was definitely a guy that was up there and well respected and then uh basically retired and oh, okay. then, uh, yeah. yeah so but uh you know when you look at jay lethal and uh you look at his moveset his moveset's been the same for about 10 years but probably one of the probably one of the biggest innovators of probably four of massive moves that are in there um and uh, like I don't think he's had. I think other than maybe his second match in AEW, I don't think he's had a really bad match. Like he's he's performed pretty well under the circumstances that he's been given. He's he's fun to watch. I, I think he he used to do the Macho Man stuff too. Yep. Yeah, and that's even on being the elite back in the, when I used to watch it. It was that stuff was hilarious. <laughs> it was it was it was gold every time. I'd laugh. Yeah, and, and you know, I think like that's uh, it's kind of what you need. It's it's kind of everybody everybody I find in WWE, and it's not a knock on WWE. I think it's a good good thing to have. Everybody wants to be the world heavyweight champion, and I think that's that's great. But you have to be realistic that in order to have a good show, you have to have a good mid card, and if you don't have a good mid card, you you kind of lose the plot going into the main event. And I think that's what kind of we've been seeing with the WWE. You got a lot of these guys that are coming in. We don't necessarily believe some of the things that we're watching and, you know, kind of, and, uh, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, you kind of have like what we like to call those smoke break matches, like where you're like, okay, I don't want to watch this, (laughs) but to be actually to have those, mid cards really come out and say, okay, I'm going to stick around and watch this because this is going to be really interesting or, you know, and kind of go through. I think we definitely see that much more in AEW than we do in WWE. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of what we're watching. I think at this point, what do you guys think? Yeah, their mid card, uh, AEW's mid card is it like, it does in lots of ways remind me of WCW. They have the, you know, the more, the more international pool of players that are that are in the ring all the time showcasing that and um yeah i, I just think that their mid card with like Jarrett, even um orange cassidy as the champion is is a, a good mid card champion for them to have uh so yeah without a strong mid card you need something to build up to the main event you can't just have yeah smoke break matches cuz you everybody's going to be flat the whole crowd's going to be flat by the time by the time the main event comes around yeah, I agree. I I think it's, and it doesn't help that WWE has four of their four of their titles on you know two like a one group basically. So it's like you, it's even hard to have. They don't really have two shows where they have, uh, you know, a solid headliner 
they have the the one headliner for both shows and it's like okay so how do you even build a mid card around you know one show when you've got the same group winning everything and it's you know it's it's the hot group and it's the hot you know the the hot story but at at what cost is this happening it having to the to the the product that they're putting out you know like Absolutely. I totally agree. And I mean, you know what, obviously we're getting ready for WrestleMania and uh, WrestleMania is coming in. So they'll kind of throw off when we're going to be able to do our podcast. Um, I think because uh, we're going to have two nights there going uh, day one, day two. So we'll probably have our podcast probably set up on a Tuesday when we move forward. Um, but with everything being said, I know we've talked a lot about AEW tonight, but I think we're going to have a lot to talk about for WWE when we go into the next podcast. Now, what do you think is going to be your favorite match going into WrestleMania? And what are you looking forward to the most out of the WrestleMania weekend? And what do you want to see out of it? Start with, uh, I'll start with you, Josh. Uh, to be honest, I'm not, I'm kind of hoping for, uh, the, the, the bloodline story with Sami Zayn to kind of come to an end. I think it's, it's kind of like, is there going to be multiple swerves that are going to happen? Like, obviously, their match with the Usos is probably going to have an impact on the match with Roman and Cody. I don't see, I don't see either of those matches ending clean. I don't think that you can have anybody lose clean in, out of those two matches because you got to protect ev- everybody. Um, you know, you you might be able to have Kevin Owens lose uh, with the. Uh, with the Usos, but I think that, or Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy could lose too. But I, I, I think that, you know, obviously there's going to be two swerves. I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm really into Cody and Roman. It seems like they're forcing Cody down our throats and it, there was a delay, like the story needed last year to happen. And unfortunately his injury took him out of the storyline. So, you know, Sami Zayn, took the took the ball and went with it and became the star that everybody wanted to see the belt go on and I don't disagree with him not getting the belt but I think that the I'm really interested to see how the Cody match uh goes and I'm you know I'm actually kind of hoping that uh he loses because I think that it'll create a better story for him if you know not to say that he shouldn't get the belt eventually but I think that it's it's too on the nose if he gets the belt they could split them up. I, I like maybe there's going to be a stipulation that comes late where it's like a you know best out of three or not best out of three, but like a pin one pinfall for one and one pinfall for the other, and they split them up and then have Roman you know keep stay with SmackDown and then lose eventually when he wants to leave uh, and then have Cody on Raw. I think, but they haven't introduced that yet, so I think that's that's a, something that could still happen. Chris, what are your thoughts? What are you looking forward to? Oh boy. Uh, sorry, I just had to pull my phone up here to take a look at so that I can see what's going on. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte Ripley. I'm excited for that. I'm always, I'm a big, I'm a big Charlotte Flair fan, and and Rhea Ripley's really grown on me. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, not looking forward to Brock Lesnar versus Omos whatsoever. Omos versus Omos versus Omos with special guest referee <laughs> Omos. And um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of a mark for him, but I'm looking forward to Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. I'm I'm kind of a Logan Paul mark right now. 
I, I like I like the stuff he does. Also, not looking forward to Austin Theory and John Cena opening up the whole thing. Um, I yeah, just that's think the rumor. John, C- John Cena's gonna kind of if he if John Cena comes back and buries him again like that, just makes him look terrible. I agree. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, when we're when we're going through it, I think you're looking at that, and I think you know what, Chris, you mentioned a whole bunch of like great matches there, and you know what? That's probably haven't even touched all the stuff that's even out there. You know what I mean? Like that still doesn't touch, you know, the the bloodline stuff, and still doesn't touch. But I mean, you know what? When you kind of look at Roman Reigns, I think almost he has to lose clean. But I, I'm kind of with you. It's like it doesn't seem like it's been a big enough push to kind of like it's almost like Cody wins the titles, and if he does, it's like where does he go from there? Like who's he gonna fight from there? And it just it just doesn't really make sense. Like it seems like the next Monday night, it's like okay, we're gonna start the whole season off, and then it's gonna be whatever. Let's just say Omos gonna fight him at uh, whatever it is, like at some pay per view, and then you're never really looking forward to the pay per view after, which is usually backlash. You're not usually looking forward to that because if there's a significant title change, like what's gonna happen, it's probably not gonna change a backlash, right? So I think. I, I I don't I personally I I don't know what's gonna happen this week. I think it's gonna be a really tell telltale sign of what's gonna happen this week. Um, but I I feel like really there just hasn't been enough of Cody and Reigns to kind of push it. Um, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. It definitely I'd have to agree with you, Josh. I mean I like Cody Rhodes and I think the injury hurt him, but I definitely feel like it's like yeah you're being shoved down our throats. And uh, you know because if if he wasn't. I think that's also part of what we saw of him in AEW. I mean, he really wasn't kind of getting over to the point like the fans were turning on him at the at the end, and you know they just kind of it would have been almost better for him to have the storylines where he was if he just would have stayed, and then just didn't work out that way, right? But um, it's good to see that he's over in WWE, and it's good to see that you know hopefully it'll have a good match. But I think at the end of the day, we've seen Roman for two years now. We've had him with the belt for that long. I think you just gotta kind of just gotta kind of bury one of the longest runs that we're ever going to see and we got to kind of get back into a couple of shorter runs before we can kind of take a stab at something else the the variety definitely helps and you know as much as roman is in my opinion probably one of the top three best wrestlers on the planet um you know i think the the length of a reign it's it's time for it to come to an end (laughs) yeah i can agree with that i think that i mean do you really have cody take away the thousand days like that's the that's the thing about for me for Cody winning is that like Roman's reign has been nine hundred and thirty six days and he's gonna lose to Cody after Cody came back for like a month and a half two months and never not to say never proved himself in WWE but he proved himself in AEW but like they're they're putting a lot of stake in him taking over for arguably the biggest champion they've ever had so like that's a big that that I'm not to say that he can't do it I don't know who else you'd be able to give it to. Uh, really, there's there's not really anybody else in the roster. Not to say there's not anybody else in the roster, but who who who's who's carrying Roman Reigns' shoulders? Right, or like wait, maybe Jay Uso if he has a big turn. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think like one of the things is is that I I said this to somebody the other day. I said I, I didn't believe the only person that I believe that could have knocked Roman Reigns off his perch at any point in any of the matches that I saw wasn't even Brock Lesnar. It was Kevin Owens. And then Kevin Owens had two matches back to back where I went about the year mark when Roman had it for a year where I actually thought 
they could give it to Kevin Owens. And then after those two matches, I have not believed in any single point where he's going to lose. And the only reason that I think he might lose at WrestleMania is contractually <laughs> that he's like, it's not a believability thing. It's just, it's a believability in a contract and what we know a little bit behind the scenes, right? Like we're, 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 we're fucking, we're not total marks, but we, we kind of have an understanding of what's going on. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see. I like the swerve. I'm hoping that we're going to have a swerve of the week and we're going to talk about Paul Heyman doing it. I hope it's Paul Heyman that swerves. Uh, if, if that's me, that's, I think that's going to probably be a pretty cool story moving forward. If it ends up being Paul Heyman following the title, right? I was hoping, I was, I was hoping it was going to be Randy Orton coming back, giving Randy, giving, giving Cody a fucking, giving him a, you know, cutter. And then uh, starting that feud right there. Obviously not going to happen. That's my... Uh, <laughs> but if, if Randy Orton runs out at WrestleMania and, f- and gives someone a cutter, Josh called it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't mind... Uh, I wouldn't mind Orton versus... I wouldn't mind Orton Cody at all. They, they have history in WWE. Yeah, for sure. I think with that, we're going to get ready. We're going to get ready for WrestleMania. It's on the, obviously, it's on March 1st, March 2nd. I believe those are the dates. At least I hope they are. Um, cause I'm not looking at my computer right now, even though I should be. But with that being said, it's April, April 1st, not March, April, April 1st and 2nd. I got the one and the two right. So I was halfway there. Oh, we didn't talk about Dominic. That's okay. He's, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we're we're going to leave we'll leave Dominic until we go into the next podcast, and then we can actually talk about one of the topics we will bring up, I think, is, is Dominic Mysterio one of the best heels in the WWE? I think that's a great topic. But I think WrestleMania is going to kind of uh, sit there and kind of tell us something uh, a little bit more, especially with his match with Ray, right? Um, but with that being said, everybody, thanks for tuning into our first podcast. We had a blast doing this. That uh, was pr- pretty much almost close to an hour. Um, yeah, if you like what we like talking about, you know, we got a great intro music from uh, Johnny B. He's hooked us up with that intro music. And uh, you know what? Thanks to Johnny B for that. Also, SWA alum. And uh, uh, also one of the resident bookers with somebody named Chris Gagno. Um That's why he has the title for so long, folks. That's right. <laughs> So that's what we always said. It was hard to break the glass ceiling in the SWA. But with that being said, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the rub for this week. And we'll see you guys all coming back from WrestleMania weekend. Have a good night.